Conflict is what we're talking about. How many of you in here have ever had a conflict? Never? <laughs> you lie. Okay. Wait, okay. In a very, in a very brief 10-second synopsis, I need somebody to tell me what their conflict was. And that just happened, didn't it? That was like 15 minutes ago. It's the reason they're late. Brandon. Never mind, he's gone on to eating. Mandy. Okay. <laughs> That's a problem. Christian. <laughs> hey, guys, in case you're showing up late, we're talking about conflict, and I've asked a couple individuals to share very briefly in like 10 seconds what your conflict is, a conflict you've had. Uh, let's not name names. Let's not name names. Okay? No names. Savannah. That is a problem. Cole. Wait, wait, hold on, hold on. You got in trouble for what? Chewing a cough drop. You know you're supposed to suck on those, right? Okay. Hey, guys, guys. Drew has something very important to share. Drew. That is awesome. <laughs> it was better than the teacher. Okay. Okay. Now, it sounds to me like everybody in here has had some kind of conflict, because even if you didn't share, you're talking to the people around you. So I'm assuming you're talking about conflict you've had. Either that or you're just being completely disrespectful to everybody around you and talking. You decide. The reason we're talking about conflict tonight, hey guys, I'm not going to keep asking you to stop talking. We'll pray, we'll stop now. Okay? I want to be here, I hope you want to be here, but I'm not going to keep doing this every week. I'm not going to keep asking you to come in here, get quiet, get quiet, get quiet, get quiet, go outside if you need to talk. I'm feeling a little conflict right now because you guys, some of you, don't appear that you want to be here. If that's fine, we've had that conversation. Please, take your conversation outside. Stop distracting everybody around you. Because it's, it's just rude. Okay? I hope, well, I would say I hope you don't do that in class, but I know some of you do. Because I've heard you. Please stop. Okay? Let's pray and we'll get started again. God, I just pray right now, God, that you will help us to focus. God, help us to, to get into your word, Lord. Help us to, to see who you are. Help us to see what it is you want us to learn tonight. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So conflict is what we're talking about. Now, what's interesting to me is there are some people in this world that thrive on conflict. They look for problems. They look for things to argue about and argue about all day long and yell at other people. There are some people, much like Brandon likes to watch, who make a living out of conflict. All the, the UFC stuff that you watch, right? Or How many of you still watch? Does anybody here watch wrestling? Anybody? Okay. There's some of you. What's that? 
Every sport is conflict. Absolutely. But you want to know, you want to know the most interesting conflict I remember seeing when I was in high school? And you, th this was a regular occurrence in the high school we went to. You'd just be walking to class or walking to the lunchroom or leaving at the end of the day and walking down the hall, all of a sudden you'd hear somebody yell, Fight! And you turn around and yeah, just like that. All of a sudden, this crowd, it's like a flash mob on one of the wings of the school. And all these people are running into a fight, and everybody's pushing, and everybody's shoving, and everybody's trying to see what's going on, because everybody wanted to at least see what was happening in that conflict. And I remember, to this day, I remember the first fight I ever saw in high school. I was a freshman, and we had had this school-wide assembly, and as we're all coming out of the auditorium, there's about 900 people in our high school. So it's, it's not really, I mean, it's kind of a small school, but not really. And we're walking out of the auditorium, and all of a sudden I hear that word. Somebody yells, fight, and I look up, and everybody is running to the same spot. And I don't remember what happened. I don't know what caused the fight. But by the time I got over there, these two guys, I mean, they were just going at it. And I don't mean it's like this little, you know, punching, wrestling, whatever you call it. I mean, they were laying into each other. There was blood flying. There was, it was nasty. But you see, the interesting thing is, is that in the middle of this fight, one of the guys got knocked on the ground. And as soon as he got knocked on the ground, two people who were not even involved in the fight came out of the crowd and just started wailing on the back of his head and just beating the snot out of him. And they did that for about 30 seconds, and then they took off. And the guy on the ground gets up, and he's yelling because what had happened is the guy that was still standing up, when he knocked the other guy down, two of his buddies decided they wanted to get in on it, and they jumped on him and just started tearing him up. And you see, by that time he got up and started yelling, looking for those guys, the dean comes running over, and they break up the fight, and everybody goes back to class. But the interesting thing was is that even though the fight was over, even though that physical conflict was over, that was all that anybody could talk about for the rest of the day. And it was funny because it wasn't just the physical conflict that continued to happen, it was the verbal conflict. Because then you started seeing people who were taking sides. Well, they were fighting over this. No, they were fighting over this. I can't believe he said that. I can't believe he did that. And it just continued to be a constant conflict. And you see, what, 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 I, what I love, I'm trying to figure out the words here, I can't talk again tonight. What I found incredibly, I'll say interesting again, is that it got to the point where more people were interested in what caused the conflict than the actual physical fight itself. You see, a lot of times we get so occupied, we get so bogged down in the conflict and the fight that we're in the middle of that we forget to stop and try to figure out what made all this happen in the first place. Why are we in this place we are? Why are we fighting? Why are we arguing with people? Why are we yelling at people? Why are we angry? And the reason that's important is because every single one of us, we are in a conflict every single day. Whether we realize it or not, you and I, we're in a fight. And Scripture tells us, Roman calls that uh, a fight between the flesh and the Spirit. It says we're walking in the flesh or we're walking in the Spirit. You see, if we claim to be a Christian, if we claim to, to know God and have a relationship with Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit lives in us, then it tells us that the Holy Spirit is going to battle our flesh. 
Scripture tells us that our sin, our body, or our body wants sin. Our body wants things that God doesn't really want for our lives. And we have that conflict because it's a constant struggle. And that's, that's not anything I need to tell you guys about because you probably live that every single day. You know the things that you should do, yet you know the things that sometimes you really kind of want to do, even though you know it's not necessarily the right thing to do. But you see, what I want to focus on tonight is not, not where you are right now, but I want to help us understand where did that conflict come from? Where does that conflict start? How did we get to this point where we've got this internal struggle between the spirit and the flesh, between what we know we should do, what would honor God, and what sometimes we just really want to do because we know it would be fun or feel good at the time? So what we're going to do tonight is we're going to go all the way back to the book of Genesis. And we're going to look at Genesis chapter 2 is where we're going to start. And as we get into this, we're going to see a couple different things about who God is and about conflict and where conflict came from. Because the truth is, it came from the beginning. Now, not the beginning with God. If you've got your Bibles, open up to Genesis chapter 2. We're going to be starting in verse 15. And as we get into this, what I, what I hope you will see to start with is this, when it comes to conflict, God did not make conflict. God creates order. When God makes something, when God spoke, when God breathed life into man, when God made everything, God created order. He did it then, he does it now. Let's look at it in Genesis 2 verse 15. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, You may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it you shall surely die. Then the Lord God said, It is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. Now we didn't read the entire creation account, but if you go back and read it, you see how God made everything in an order and he made everything with a purpose. And then he goes through and it says that he made man and he made humanity and he gave them how many rules? One rule. God gave them order. He gave them a guideline to follow. And then it says he went and he made Eve. And when he made creation, when he made Adam, when he made this first couple, this relationship, there were no problems there. You know, think about the conflict we have. We have conflict because of jealousy because of anger, because of hurt feelings, because of unmet expectations, because of shame, that did not exist when God created everything. It wasn't there because God made perfection. And when he made Adam and Eve, there was peace. There was order in what he had done. We see it. We see small glimpses of it in the way the world functions now. Think about it this way. A plant, a tree. What does a tree produce that we need? Oxygen. A tree produces oxygen. Our bodies take that oxygen in. Our body processes that oxygen, and our body produces what as a result? Carbon dioxide. What does a tree need? Carbon dioxide. That it takes, that it uses, that it produces oxygen with. You see what I mean when I say God creates order? That didn't happen because of some bang and amoebas crawling out of an ooze. That happened because God 
create it. It's not an evolution thing, is what I'm saying. <laughs> I'm glad you're with me. That happened because God is a God of order. And God doesn't create conflict. However, as you go into Genesis chapter 3, you see that Satan does. Satan brings conflict with him. And that's exactly what he did here at creation. Look at verse 1 of chapter 3. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God actually say you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the, in the garden, but God said you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. Now, I, this doesn't really go along with what we're saying, what we're talking about, but if you notice right there, Eve has added something to what God told Adam. What did God tell Adam? Don't eat. What does Eve tell the serpent that God told him? Don't eat and don't touch. Doesn't really have anything to do with what we're talking about. I just find that really interesting. Man has already added to what God had given him. He's already taken that one rule a step farther. It keeps going there. It says, But the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good from evil. Okay, let's start again. What was the one rule that God gave Adam? Don't eat of that tree. Who did he give it to? Adam. He made Adam responsible. He gave him that rule before he ever made Eve. Okay. Who does the snake come and talk to? Eve. Eve. Yes, Jacob. Would it be wrong to, um, like, I know that, that it's wrong to, like, add on to the like, if you're saying, like, if he said don't eat, and you say don't eat, don't touch, why would that say? It's not necessarily wrong, but it's not exactly what God said either. It's kind of like, look at it this way. The way the, the Jewish religious leaders, they took the Ten Commandments and made over 600 other laws to help people abide by the Ten Commandments. Well, you don't need those 600 laws if you stick to the Ten. It's not necessarily a bad thing, but that's where you start getting into legalism. And, well, I've got to keep this, 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 and that. No, you've got to stick to what God gave you. If you can do that, then you're okay everywhere else. You don't have to worry about that. It's no longer a concern. So, no, it's not necessarily wrong. But you see, the serpent here who represents Satan, represents evil, didn't come to Adam. He came to Eve. What he did right there is he created the first marital conflict. Pretty simple, right? He knew what he was doing. He went to the one that God didn't talk directly to and tried to trick her. Satan brings conflict. What did God expect from Adam and Eve? Say it. Obedience, yeah, to uphold the law that he had given them. What does Satan expect? Break the rules, sin, what would you say? Everything less. Okay, do you see the conflict here? God creates perfection. He gives Adam and Eve one rule, and he expects obedience. Satan comes in, and what's the one thing he does? What's that? Breaks the weak link. You are the weakest link. He goes after that order that God created. 
he starts to make them doubt what God said. He doesn't, he doesn't just lie to them. He doesn't just question God, because I've heard people say before, well, you shouldn't question God. I don't know that there's a problem questioning God. What he was able to do, though, was to get Eve to doubt what God said. There's a difference between questioning God and doubting God. You can question God all day long. That's how we understand who God is and how God works. But to doubt that he's in control, to doubt that he is God, that's where you run into problems. And that's what happened here with Adam and Eve. He looks at Eve and he says, did God really say, are, are you sure? I don't, did he really say that? See, he tricks her because he gets her to doubt who God is and what God says. He's implying that God is withholding something from them. We good? Okay. Satan's goal here is to introduce conflict, to imply that God is keeping something back from Adam and Eve. And by doing that, Adam and Eve start to wonder, well, what if God really is holding out on us? What if this really is everything the serpent tells us it is? What if God's not telling us the truth? And by that one simple statement, Satan introduces conflict. Now, have you all ever met anybody that does that in your life, that, that takes words and twists them just a little... Oh, don't point at people in here. That takes words and twists them just a little bit? Okay. Okay, there's, there's a couple of you. Let me ask you a question. How do you avoid being fooled by those people? Don't talk to them anymore, okay? Somebody comes to you and tells you something that you're not sure it's true or not about somebody else. How do you find out the truth? Yes. Go to the source. Yeah. Go to the source. Do Adam and Eve do that? No. What do they do? Okay, yes. Did hey, hey, did y'all hear what Adia said? They didn't go to the source. They went to the other person. They played Ring Around the Rosie. That's exactly what they did. Instead of, hey, instead of Eve going to God and saying, hey, God, is this true? Is this what's going on here? She goes to Adam and said, hey, this stuff's good. Try it. And see, Satan has introduced conflict. And what we find from the next set of verses is that conflict, all that really is, guys, is conflict is a result of sin. When we fight with other people, when we have problems with other people, nine times out of ten, it's because we're more concerned about us than we are them. We're more concerned about our pride and our reputation and our needs and our wants than we are concerned about the other person. And that selfishness is sin. Yes, Savannah? That was sin, but that was not the first human sin. We're talking about sin in mankind. Yes, that is sin, but Satan's not human. So it's not sin in mankind. It's the first sin in reference to humanity. That's, that's typically where that mindset comes from. So yeah, Satan, sin of pride, because he wanted to be God. But it tells us he stepped out of that position. Good question. Look at what it says here in Genesis 3.6. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, 
and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise. She took of its fruit and ate, and she also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate. Now, pay attention there. Eve was not by herself when the serpent came to her. Adam was there. Adam was listening. And he didn't say a word. Side note, guys, whose responsibility is it to lead in the family? Yours. Adam didn't do that. Now, hey, it's not always easy to do that, but it's your responsibility, guys. Just throwing that out there. Let's keep going. It says, Then the eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, Where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. He said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? The man said, The woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me the fruit of the tree, and then I ate. Then the Lord God said to the woman, What is this that you have done? The woman said, The serpent deceived me, and I ate. Now, if you're paying attention here, there are all kinds of conflicts that arise from what just happened here. What's that? Yes. We see a marriage conflict. Adam's blaming Eve. God, it's not my fault. You gave her to me, and she did this. What's another conflict we see? We got marital conflict. Right, hey, Jimmy said it. There's a conflict between us and God. He said it more directly, I'm sorry. It was a spiritual conflict. And Brandon, help. There's a conflict between Adam and Eve and God. God Adam says, God, this happened because this woman that you gave me. Adam's blaming God. Do you catch that? Eve, Adam blames Eve, and he blames God. So you've got marital conflict, conflict between the man and the wife, and now you've got conflict spiritual between God and man. Anybody see one more conflict in there? We already said that one. Man and wife, same thing. No. What? Hey, who does who does Eve blame? The serpent. Now, now you have conflict between man and the serpent or the rest of nature, however you want to look at it. And as we read some more, you're going to see that conflict a little bit more. But see, guys, this one choice, this one decision causes a whole lot of conflict. This one choice for Adam and Eve to do this little simple thing that really wasn't a big deal... I mean, really, who did it hurt? They're the only ones there. It didn't really affect anybody else, did it? It's their sin. They didn't have any kids. They didn't have any neighbors. Didn't really hurt anybody. But you see, this choice led 
to conflict. A lot of times we have that mindset. We think when it's just us and there's sin, that it's okay if it doesn't hurt anybody else. It's okay if it's just me and my own little world or me and one other person. It's not really affecting everybody else. But we know that's not the case. Because that sin, just like between Adam and Eve and God, that sin brings conflict between us and God, whether anybody else is involved. And then it keeps going here. We find out that sin has major consequences. Every sin has consequences. But let's look at what their consequences were in verse 14. The Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and above all beasts of the field. On your belly you shall go, and dust you shall eat all the days of your life. I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and her offspring. And he shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. To the woman, he said, I will surely multiply your pain in childbearing. In pain you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be for your husband, and he shall rule over you. And to Adam, he said, because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread, till you return to the ground. For out of it you were taken, for you are dust, and to dust you shall return. The man called his wife's name Eve, because she was the mother of all living. And the Lord God made for Adam and for his wife garments of skins and clothed them. Then the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become like one of us, knowing good and evil. Now lest he reach out his hand and take of the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore the Lord God sent him out of the garden of Eden to work the ground from which, which he was taken. All sin has consequences. What were theirs? What consequences did Adam and Eve have? Banishment? Separation from God? What's that? Okay, well, yes, they did have to work. But if you go back and read the beginning of creation, God put Adam in the garden to work it. So work was there. It's the hard work that's the problem now. Anything else? Hold on, Justin's got a question. If it just said right then that the uh, man should have, like, control over the marriage, how is Adam supposed to step in? Well, first of all, he was created. He was the one given the one rule. He was the one put in charge from the beginning. When he was created, he was there before Eve. It's, it's understood, but it's also the fact when that says your husband, your desire shall be for him, your husband shall rule over him, that, that is a battle, and, and Miss Kathleen and I have had this conversation before too. That is a battle that happens in a lot of marriages. Because there are a lot of men that, much like Adam, won't step up and take their responsible role as the leader of the family. So the woman's desire is not to sit back and just wait. It's to step up and take that role. And that's what he's talking about. Your desire will be for your husband. Your desire is for that role. She, she will naturally take that leadership role. Guys, you see so many women in, in, in leadership roles in families, and I'm not saying that's necessarily, I'm not saying it's completely wrong, because there are some families where the female is, the mom is the only person there. They're single moms. 
But God's design is for the husband, the father, to be the head of the household, to step up. In that vacuum of leadership, women will step up and will do it. We see it all over the place, especially in the church. Women will take those leadership roles. But he's saying, Eve, because this is what you've done, you're going to want his role. But it's still his job, and that's going to frustrate you. Does that help you understand a little bit better? Okay. Do you have a question there? <laughs> You're looking at me like you were thinking something. Any other questions about that? No? We're good? All right, let's keep going. Yes, we see problems. We see hard work. We see, and Not even necessarily hard work, but we see the fact that the ground is going to fight against Adam for the rest of his life. I can tell you guys right now, Miss Kathleen and I have a garden growing in our yard, and once a week, once a, yeah, everything wants to eat it, and once a week, we've got to go out there and we've got to weed this entire garden. Because no matter what we do, no matter how clean we get it, the grass and the weeds continue to grow up every single time. Yes, there are some ways to prevent that. But left to itself, nature will fight us. And it will be difficult. A fence? That doesn't stop weeds from growing up out of the ground. <laughs> yes, things eating it, yes, that would be... <coughs> that's a very good idea, Courtney. I appreciate that. <laughs> but hey, guys, guys, as a result of this, hey, we see, we see shame. Adam and Eve, they realized they were naked. Before they ate this fruit, there's nothing wrong with that. They were naked in front of each other. They were husband and wife. And it was fine. Now they realize they're naked and they go hide. They go cover themselves. And God provides them clothes to do so. So there's shame there. We see pain. Ladies, I, I don't have any clue the way God intended childbirth, but it tells us right there it's going to be painful. I have three children. Miss Kathleen can attest to you. It's painful to have children. Now, it's still a great thing. But it's not easy. But you see pain. You see, you see shame. You see all kinds of problems. Result? Because of sin. Because of their choice to disobey God. You see, when we choose to disobey God, we have all kinds of problems arise. You see conflict between husband and wife now. You see conflict between man and God. You see conflict between man and creation because of one choice, one decision to sin. Adam and Eve were by themselves. Their sin didn't affect anybody else, or at least that's what they thought. We know now that it's affected every single one of us. But it's kind of like this. How many of you have ever skipped a rock across a body of water? How many of you are good at skipping rocks? How many of you are bad at skipping rocks? Okay, there's a few of you. Picture it this way. Picture yourself, just you, nobody else, standing in front of a pond, and you pick up the perfect rock, little rounded flat rock, and you throw it. For some of you, that rock hits that first time, and it bounces and bounces and bounces. For some of you, it goes, and it just stops. Rounded on the edges, flat this way. What Exactly. As soon as that rock hits the water the first time, whether it keeps going or stops, what does that do to the water? 
It makes ripples. It makes a splash, and it makes ripples. Now, if you're good and it keeps going, it makes ripples and a splash every time it hits. Over time, what happens to the surface of that water? Yeah. Those ripples start interacting, and that water is completely messed up now. Now, think about this. That was you by yourself. Stop throwing things. What if every one of you in this room was standing around that same pond and you threw your rock at the same time? What's the water look like now? Yeah. Again, some of you throw very nicely and your rock skips forever. Some of you are horrible and it sinks to the bottom the first time it hits. But with everybody's rocks at the same time, that water doesn't have just those smooth ripples anymore. Now you've got all kinds of chaos going on. That's where we live, guys. At creation, when Adam and Eve did that first sin, that was that single little rock. That was that single little bit of ripples. But now every one of us has taken up a rock. And we live in a world that is, there's havoc everywhere because of sin. Because of the choices we make, even the choices that we think don't affect everybody else, but they do. Because a lot of times when, when we sin and it's just us, while we may think it doesn't affect anybody, it affects our attitude, which then affects how we interact with people, which then affects their attitude, which affects how they interact with people, and it becomes a ripple effect. And when every single one of us does it, that problem gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And we can trace every bit of that back to this first rock, to this first decision that Adam and Eve made to sin. You see, guys, the reason that's important when we talk about this whole idea of conflict, it's important because we need to understand where it came from. Because when you and I have that battle that Romans 8 calls this, this struggle between walking in the flesh and walking in the spirit, when we fight this fight, a lot of times we think we're alone. We don't think anybody else understands what's going on. We don't think anybody else has faced the problems that we're facing or, or has the temptations that we face. When the truth is, so many people have been there before you. So many people have faced those same issues. And so many people have been able to come to God and to see who He is and to see what His Word says about Him and to understand that we're not alone in this sin. That those choices that we're faced with, we don't have to face by ourselves. Every single conflict we see or we hear about or live out, it comes from an internal conflict in ourselves. That's where it comes from. And it's a conflict between our sinful desires, the things that our body tells us we should do to look out for number one, that tells us we're most important, struggling against what God would want us to do to honor Him. You can look at it, you can look at it a couple different ways. One of the ways you can look at it is this. It's obedience versus rebellion. You have God who wants us to honor Him, to obey Him, to make choices that bring Him glory. And we've got our body, our flesh, our minds that are riddled with sin that tell us we are the most important person in the world. And we should rebel. And we should do what we want to do. You can look at it that way. Or you can look at it this. It's we versus me. 
Some of us have the mindset that I am the most important person in the world. And if you're not all about me, you just need to get out of my way. That's the way some of us think. But yet we look at chapters like Philippians 2, where it tells us we're supposed to have the mind of Christ, where we're supposed to humble ourselves and we're supposed to serve each other and put other people before us. That's that conflict between God and between sin. Or you can look at it this last way, now versus eternity. We can choose to live for now, what feels good now, what feels right now, what makes us happy right now. Or we can make choices based on who God is and what we know He's called us to do and what's going to lead us closer to Him. Because with every single choice, we're making a decision to either step towards God or step away from God. You realize that? And no, I don't mean like the clothes that you chose to pick unless you're choosing between modest clothes and immodest clothes. You make a choice to either step towards God with the things that you do or you make a choice to step away from God with the things that you do. And it's so important for us to understand where this conflict started. Because what we can do is we can just sit back and say, you know what? It's all Adam and Eve's fault. They made the choice. I just got to suffer for it. And do nothing. Or we have the opportunity to say, you know what? Yeah, Adam and Eve messed up. But it's my choice what I do from that. When I face temptation, when I face sin, it's my choice to do something about it. Just because Adam and Eve didn't step up doesn't mean I can't step up and do something about it. You hear people tell you all the time, you don't know where you're going if you don't know where you've been. If we don't understand how this whole sin thing started, if we don't know where it came from and what God intended it to be for us, then we're not going to know where we're going. And we're not going to understand how to make choices that honor Him and choices that make us the men and women He's called us to be. Guys, that's why we've got to get into His Word. That's why we've got to read the entirety of Scripture. That's why Scripture tells us that all Scripture is God-breathed because we have got to read it from the beginning to the end to see the story of God and Jesus Christ and redemption and know what He's calling us to. I tell you right now, he's not calling you to come sit here on a Wednesday night and take some notes and say, oh, that was fun. No. He's calling us to live a life for him. He's calling us to honor him, to obey him. Not to say, hey, it was Satan's fault. No, it was that girl's, it was that guy's fault. It was my friend's fault. My parents, they told me to do it. No. It's our choice, just like it was Adam and Eve's choice. And that's what we need to understand. That's what we're talking about. And that's why over the next couple of weeks, we're going to keep talking about this idea of conflict. And we're going to look at some different aspects of it. But understand where it came from. Understand that just like for Adam and Eve, we can choose sin or we can choose obedience. And whatever we choose determines the conflict that we might experience. My challenge to you tonight is that I'm guessing there's some of you in here, you're experiencing conflict in your life right now. Maybe it's personal. Maybe it's just a decision you're struggling with. Maybe it's a family member, friend. I don't know. Teacher. But you're experiencing some kind of conflict. What would that conflict look like if you made the choice to honor God in that situation? Maybe it means you go and say you're sorry even though you don't necessarily feel like you did anything wrong. 
Maybe it means you go and talk to that teacher who you think is being unfair to you and you try to understand their viewpoint. Maybe it means you make a choice to do something that your mind tells you, no, I shouldn't have to do that. But we do that because we want to honor God and we want to avoid the conflict, avoid the sin. I challenge you tonight, think about that conflict in your life and what choice can you make to honor God in that situation? Yes. It depends on the situation. You talking about some of the conversations you and I have had recently? What's that? And some other stuff. If the conflict is because you're following God, maybe maybe people are giving you a hard time. Maybe people are questioning you about Scripture and like you feel like they're coming after you. You can still honor God. Don't argue. Don't don't you you can't argue faith. You can't argue Christianity. What you can do is the best of your ability, talk to people. Respond to them. Pray for them. If they'll let you, pray with them. That'll really freak some of them out. But do your best to honor God. Do what you know God has called you to do. And that's all you can do. Yes, that may cause problems because there are people who don't want you to do that. And people who want to prove you wrong. At some point, Scripture tells us, You've got to dust off your feet and move on. We don't like to do that. But it's like when we talked about, we talked about homosexuality a couple months ago or a month or two ago. And if you remember what I told you guys is at some point, if you know someone who is habitually living in that sin and choosing that sin on a regular basis, you can tell them that you love them, that you are there for them, but you're not going to be there to condone what they're doing. If they want to come talk to you, be there for them. But don't actively participate in what's going on. Same thing. They can come at you. They can come after you. Tell them when they're ready to talk calmly and rationally, if that's even possible, that you're there. But don't continue to put yourself in a situation that brings up conflict. Anybody got any other questions? Nope. We're good? Velcro working back there all right? Okay. Good. <laughs> all right. Hey, guys. It is, uh, it's time to get out of here. We're going to pray. Wait. Do you have a question? Like a real question? I'm hearing. I said Velcro. No. <laughs> that just tells me you haven't been able to hear me the whole time. You've not been paying attention at all. That's what that tells me. All right. Hey, guys. Don't forget... Don't forget, Saturday, if you've not put your team together, we got a dodgeball tournament. Two to four on Saturday. The cost is $3. You need to bring your friends. That gets you pizza and a drink. That's what you got. Or you can come just to use the bathrooms, whatever you'd like to do. Kind of odd. And ladies, ladies, Sunday night, we have WOW for all of you ladies. Bible study at 6 o'clock. Six o'clock is the last time for the summer. Hey guys, just so you know, over the summer we are working on, for those of you who are interested, a Bible study on Sunday nights for, for you guys. If you're interested, you don't have to if you don't want to, but I'd encourage you to because some of you have been asking for it, so we're going to make it happen. All right, hey, let's pray, and then if y'all can help us get the chairs picked up and get all the trash 
And I mean, and I mean all the trash. Hey, let's put it this way. If you came in here with a cup or bought a drink or a candy wrapper or somebody gave you a drink or a candy wrapper, please take your trash and throw it away. Okay? Let's pray, guys, and we'll head on out. God, again, we thank you for letting us be here tonight. God, I thank you um, that we can, we can look all the way back to Genesis and see what you intended. God, to see how you created things and what your, what your design was. And God, I pray that, that just as Adam and Eve were fooled by Satan, fooled by the serpent, God, that, that you will help us not to be fooled by lies. God, that you will help us to see sin for what it is and the conflict that it would cause, Lord. Help us to look into our own situations, into our own lives, Lord, and find the ways that we can honor you in our choices. Find the ways that we can put sin behind us and walk in the spirit and not in the flesh. God, I pray for each person that's here tonight, Lord. Help us to know you better. Help us to live out our relationship with you each day. I pray for those who aren't here, God. I pray that that you are helping them just to know you as well. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Guys, y'all have a great night.